When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Hart Memorial Trophy is the league's MVP. And uh, because Drew's not here, I feel like we should start with his. Who wants to read his pick for the Hart Trophy winner? Gary or Jerry, depending on uh, how you Parks pronounce. Parks and Recreation Affiliation. Yeah. <laughs> G-E-R-R-Y. Uh, we have pronounced it multiple ways on this podcast. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, Shouts to me. <laughs> well, Gary, Jerry, Cheever's action. Jerry Hart, defenseman, shoots left-handed, born January 1st, 1948, <laughs> Flynn Flon, Manitoba. <laughs> That's a place. Incredible. Sounds made uh, up. You know, I'm going to ask a question that may end up sounding very morbid. Is he still alive? Uh, doesn't say on his on hockey, hockey DB. DB All right. I'm going to go to hockey <laughs> although, reference because this is very important to me. Although he did have a sick season for the Flin Flon Bombers in the WCJHL in 67-68. cross-referenced it and confirmed. He's a in, New Year's baby. He in which he tallied 1948. 290 penalty minutes <laughs> in 58 games. Welcome back. You're listening to Bedtime Magic on 106.7. No, sorry. Wrong show. Wrong show. <laughs> Brews and Bruins. I'm your, your guest host, Lancey. And uh, I'm having a great time, if you're wondering, because it's a new year. It's a new day. It's a new life. And I'm feeling good. Anyway, uh, we're going to try not to infringe on lots of copyrights. Alongside Chris Gear and Cam Hasbrock this week, we've got the mid-seasonies. The thing that we did on my old show that I'm totally just handing off to these guys for the time being. Uh, it's it's mid-season, 41 games into the Bruins season, 41 games to other teams' seasons, and it's time to hand out awards based on how we think things are going to go. But before we do that, we're going to get into what we're drinking this evening. 
And this is where I will make Cam speak. Uh, this is going to be a tough one to start off with, but uh, not no beers tonight, or at least not yet, because I, I got a team function after this. I would like to responsibly enjoy a beverage and then drive home. So we're going to cap it. Uh, we're just warming up with a little bit of Market Basket Seltzer. Uh, this is Ruby Red Grapefruit. Let me tell you, one of the more elite seltzers that I've had uh, probably ever. Drinkability, a 36 out of 37. Just to, once again, not infringe on Lancey's copyright there. Uh, and the tasteability, it's kind of hard to define the tasteability of a seltzer because, like, inherently it doesn't have much taste. It's more of, like, an aroma, you know. Um, but the aroma is very pleasant, and I feel like this actually does have a little bit more taste than you'd expect. Um, I took a gamble on the grapefruit, and I'm very happy I did. It's truly incredible. Drinkability, or sorry, tasteability, it's going to be, like, a, a five- but um, that's I feel like that's very respectable for a regular ass seltzer. So um, shouts to Market Basket more for your dollar. No free ads except I just gave them one, and specifically for their Ruby Red Grapefruit Seltzer. We'll we'll allow Market Basket advertising. Yeah, because it's a hell of a they truly store. are the best. <laughs> I had never experienced it until like a year ago, and then my life changed. It was there was before Market Basket and after. The the only reason I heard about whatever members of the royal family were in Boston was because of the article about how people were worried about Market Basket being uh, unavailable. It's just elite. Like, I grew up with Hannaford, solid grocery store. Market Basket is unmatched. You know what? Screw the awards. We're ranking supermarkets. Market Basket, number one. Number two, we got Stop and Shop. Number three, we got... <laughs> I've heard I actually, never I actually them, but... prefer Big Y to Stop and Shop in terms of ones that are available in Western Massachusetts. Stop and Shop was the uh, the one that my parents went to, but Big Y has the uh, pizza oven and ah, yes. pretty, pretty good sweet. pizza. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, probably Stop and Shop superior to Big Y in every other manner, but except for produce. Produce you won't go to Roach Brothers for. Now we've named every supermarket. <laughs> That's what we call a make good. Well, shouts uh, to the Hilltop Market where I just grabbed my beer right down the street. If you live in a very specific area of Chula Vista, California, then you can find your stuff there. And speaking of that, what beer are you drinking, Chris? Oh, boy. Um, so I'm actually surprised I've never featured this brewery on the podcast. Probably not to the level of Lagunitas in terms of ubiquity across the country, but still widely available, and that's Bear Republic. Um, probably most recognizable by their Racer 5 IPA. This I have not had, but it looked intriguing enough to try it. Um, through the Haze IPA, um, for those watching, meaning Cam and Lancey, comes in this cute little can. Kind of, kind of looks like a tomato juice can, I guess. Um, I'm getting one of those like '90s style sodas. Yeah, it's got the it's got the little ridges on the top. Um, I, I do love these cans. They're made by uh, Ball, the company that uh, makes those mason jars. So you know it's high quality stuff here. Um, it is a family owned independent brewery since 1995, uh, brewed and canned in Cloverdale, California. I'm not entirely sure exactly where that is, but I'm guessing middle to north in California. Um, and we got 6.4%, and it is a hazy IPA, as the name implies. Though, 
it does pass the Drew test, which it's not a super hazy beer. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little not confused, that hazy, hazy. but I, I'm going to taste it and see what, uh, see what we got. Yeah, that has a lot of the hallmarks of flavor for a hazy beer. It's not super hop forward, though it does have a pretty hoppy aftertaste, but it is kind of juicy. Um, huh, I'd say tasteability somewhere in the mid-20s, like 26. Go to the Parland home there. Um, and then drinkability... It's not super drinkable. It's drinkable, but not super drinkable. Let's go with 19. Respectable. Good old Drew Stafford from 2017. <laughs> uh, I found the haze. There it is. Hey, look at that. All, hey, you know. Right. That was that, a rookie, rookie move by me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that can. I know we were a little past it, but that's a really cool can. Mm-hmm. Right, I know we were we were referencing the ball company and yeah. uh, the mason jars, and I don't know if I mentioned this before on the podcast. I probably have, but that was like seven seasons ago at this point. Uh, I did a little artistic uh, fooling around with things in a still life that I drew in high school one time because there was a mason jar in it, but instead of writing, you know, mason or ball or whatever, I wrote Thomas because. I was doing it during hockey season and my art teacher was a big hockey fan. So I was like, going to sneak this in and see if he, see if he appreciates it. And uh, needless to say, it was, it was the one time he actually did everything else (laughs) I did in that class was not as good, but uh, but that's why I paint instead of draw. Anyway, I don't know if you ever heard of the Boston beer company. They're kind of, they're kind of not as well known, but, um, but I have a Sam Adams winter lager in my hands. Because I saw this at Harris Teeter last week when I was getting groceries, and I was just like, "I have to get it." I, you know, if I see something from the land of my people, I have to claim it as my own. So, thirty-seven's all around, and now I'm just going to enjoy it. Heck yeah! <clears throat> um, I will say on the on the subject of uh, mason jars um, and Lagunitas Brewing Company, one of the beer glasses that I have. Uh, in this house right now is a ball kind of mason jar style glass with the Lagunitas dog logo embossed into it. So I have a couple of mason jars in my cabinets that say the NASCAR Hall of Fame on it because it, of course I, I do. I, I used to be a member back when the memberships were like 50 bucks a year. Where is it goes as many times. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm glad you asked. Charlotte's got a lot, as the tagline says, uh, free advertising for Charlotte. Um, but you know, back in the day, it was like 20 bucks for general admission, or you could do $50, be a member, go as many times as you want for free. And these days membership costs more than that. So that's why I stopped being a member, but at least while I was in college, it was the greatest deal ever because I could just go to all the events and driver meetings and things and almost become a NASCAR sports reporter. But that didn't happen. Uh, I went back to hockey. So speaking of hockey. We have some awards to hand out. Now, you could have looked at this in one of three different ways. Either up to now, this is who's going to win it, or you're going to predict the future, or the third choice, which is 
whatever Drew would have done. Ah, uh, man, we missed out on that. We really did. Uh, I love his heart pick. We will mention it when we get there. But I typically tend to go through and look at how the stats are now and say, you know what? This guy's having a great season. I think they're going to maintain it. Or this guy might be leading the category, but I think they're going to finish second. So I, I project out to the future but I will probably be reading a lot of stats as they stand entering. What's today's date? January 13th. Oh, right. It's Friday, it's Friday the 13th, 13th baby. We got to love luck and all that. Uh, a little superstitious. The mid seasonies, of course, are an annual tradition. And this is like the third time it's ever happened and not actually an annual tradition. I did this a few years ago, completely forgot that I ever did it. For some reason, it was an episode that stood out to me. People love it. People hate it. You're going to deal with it now. And I think uh, I was on it last year or the year before. You were, because I, I brought it back. I revived it. I went okay. back through the log of like 300 episodes I've done, and I'm like, why do I not remember this being you know, as little as it ended up being? Um, and so now, it's a big deal. It's better than the Dundies, not as good as the Oscars, but probably on par with the Grammys. It is, it is getting into award season. So, right. So we're just going to kick things off right after the golden globes, but pretend that that didn't happen. Uh, we're going to start with the president's trophy. It's probably the easiest one at this point. You don't really have to nominate anyone. I just want to hear who's going to win the president's trophy this year. Do, do we want to say it on three? Because one, two, three, the Boston Bruins. Yes, thanks, Chris. Uh, that's that's the correct answer. They are, to me, just far enough ahead that no one else is going to catch up to them unless yeah. they have like a 15-game losing streak. Even and then. even then, <laughs> if you lose 15 games and you still win like 30 of your next 40 games, which that's not how math works, but just They're not saying gonna go hypothetically, hypothetically three or whatever. they can go 83-0 and 0 from here on out and they'd be fine. Anyone else have any opinions on that? No. I do not um, object. Yeah, let me see if I had anything else written down for that. Um, the bad news, I'll say, is that winning the President's Trophy doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it means he had a great regular season, but historically speaking, the Bruins have had lots of great regular seasons and only won six Stanley Cups. So, yeah, there's that. And, of course, for the historians in the crowd, the President's Trophy wasn't a thing until 1986. So it, it gets really fun when you're like, how have the Bruins only won it so few times compared to other teams that have been around for a lot less time that have won it perhaps more often? Chris is still reading his notes. No, I'm good to go. He's, he's got nothing else. Again, no that is what we call transition <laughs> folks. The Hart Memorial Trophy is the league's MVP. And uh, because Drew's not here, I feel like we should start with his. Who wants to read his pick for the Hart Trophy winner? I actually didn't even see it, so this is going to be a surprise to me. I'm excited. This is going to be a surprise to you? Chris is like, damn it, I have to get my phone out. Uh, let me, it's Gary or Jerry, depending on uh, how you Parks pronounce. Parks and Recreation affiliation. Yeah. <laughs> G-E-R-R-Y. Uh, we have pronounced it multiple ways on this podcast. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, Shouts to me. <laughs> little Gary Jerry Cheever's action. Um, 
<laughs> I think it's Jerry, Jerry Gary Jeevers. <laughs> Jerry Hart, uh, defenseman, shoots left-handed, born January 1st, 1948, <laughs> Flynn Flon, Manitoba. <laughs> That's a place. Incredible. Sounds made uh, up. Well, definitely wouldn't uh, put it past Drew to nominate this guy for this year. Uh, let's see. He His stats this out, season are. He maxed out at uh, 26 points for the Quebec Nordiques in the 79-80 season. Um, good choice for Drew this year. I think he's got a real chance. You know, I'm going to ask a question that may end up sounding very morbid. Is he still alive? Uh, doesn't say on his hockey, hockey DB. DB All right. I'm going to go to hockey <laughs> Although, reference because this is very important to me. Although he did have a six season for the Flin Flon Bombers in the WCJHL in 67, 60. cross-referenced it and confirmed he's a in, New Year's baby. He's in which he tallied 1948. 290 remember. penalty minutes <laughs> in 58 games. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> oh, I love this guy. He uh he never had more than 158 penalty minutes in the NHL, but in his one season in the WCJHL managed 290 penalty minutes and 51 points in 58 games. So that's a hey, for a defenseman, that's that's good stuff. We we love to see it. Drew, you picked a good one. And uh, his comparable on Hockey Reference is Yuri Slager. There's a little obscure Bruins trivia there. Uh, but but yeah, so Jerry Hart, good guy, still alive, still kicking. Eight games in 1982-83. That was the last time he played in the NHL. Your 2022-2023, what is this, 40th anniversary, Hart Memorial Trophy winner. Uh, cool, Drew. Love it. Heck yeah. Cam, save us. Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, do you have any other nominees that you're like, um, these guys could be in the room? Oh, yeah, like, like David Pasternak is probably the next most likely right now, but it's it's going to be Connor McDavid. It is it is going to be Connor McDavid. I will um, also nominate Leon Dreisaitl because you can't mention McDavid and not Dreisaitl in the same sentence. And because you said David Pasternak, though people may be surprised, I mean, he has 58 points right now. That's a ton compared to everyone else where, you know, McDavid is 79, Dreisaitl is 63, Pasternak is 58. He's scoring at an incredible rate. And, uh, you know, that kind of helps a lot. Even when your team only has what, five losses in regulation on the year. Halfway uh, through the season. Yeah. You guys will be shocked to find that. I also had Connor McDavid winning it. Um, Unanimous decision. I, I went uh, also as kind of like a, a mix between like, taking the stats now and projecting out. I don't we'll, I, Will I waffled, he reach 200? <laughs> I waffled on this one where like I can see a path for both Jason Robertson and David Pasternak to win the Hart Trophy. And the reason why I went with Connor McDavid is because those paths both involve Connor McDavid having a mediocre second half. Uh, and that's just something I don't want to bet on. Um it's a great way to lose a bet. Yeah. So um, I, I think Jason Robertson, if if Dallas has a great second half and he surges and um, 
and you know ends up being close enough to McDavid in the mm-hmm. Art Ross race. Um, especially if the Oilers miss the playoffs, I could see a lot of the voters kind of going against that. But um, you know, that's like I said, tough to bet against. And same goes for David Pasternak if he eclipses sixty goals and manages to beat out McDavid for the for the Richard uh and the Bruins break a bunch of records on the way in terms of their overall record and once again the Oilers miss the playoffs and McDavid doesn't necessarily have a great second half. Like that's another thing I could see the writers going for, but you know right now it's it's mcdavid it looks like mcdavid is is gonna have one of those historic seasons maybe eclipses own best point total like it's really hard to say mcdavid doesn't deserve the heart as much as i you know i'm getting kind of bored of this guy uh playing on a team that has no chance no chance of winning a stanley cup um yeah you know that's uh, Wayne Gretzky post Edmonton Oilers. Although people will argue the 93 Kings, they had a great chance. Yeah, but they didn't win now, did they? So there's that. Uh, and then you could, of course, say, well, Gretzky was in his prime at that point. Does it really matter? He's Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Connor McDavid, same sort of thing. Great chance of getting 2,000 points by the time he's, what, like 27? If he scores at the ridiculous pace that he's scoring at. So he, he's going to be your heart winner every year unless Leon Dreisaitl has anything to say about that. Your Lady Bing Trophy nominees and winners, please. Chris, who is the most gentlemanly, sportsmanlike conduct player for 2022-2023? So I kind of hate this award. <laughs> I, I think most of the people who vote for it don't really understand what it is either. So I kind of went with, you know, my prediction for how people generally vote for this award. And I just looked at penalty minutes um, and Sasha Barkov plays a lot of minutes and doesn't have any penalty or he has like two penalty minutes or something. Um, he has zero. Okay. Uh, and uh, he is a first line center and very skilled player who uh, generally someone like that gets the award. So uh, going with Sasha Barkov. And then yeah, my this- my other nominees are Cole Caulfield. And then there were a couple of people I kind of put into that third spot. But Mark Edward Vlasic, uh, a guy that might get some votes for that, just generally don't give it to a defenseman. But, you know, he's a, a well-respected guy who's been around for a long time. And I think he only has two penalty minutes this year. So I call the Lady Bing the Selkie Light Trophy because, you know, if you're not going to give Alexander Barkov a Selkie because Patrice Bergeron exists – then he might as well just win the Lady Bing. Because I also have Barkov winning the Lady Bing. I have Cole Caulfield probably finishing second, even though both of them have no penalty minutes and Caulfield's played in more games, you know, because Barkov was out with a little injury here or there. Um, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, also a nominee for me, just doesn't win it because Barkov is a little bit better. The reason why I excluded J.G. Peugeot is because he's a little bit of a shit kicker and people who vote for that. Somehow... that's Only the, two one, minutes this that's the one thing that kind of excludes you from the uh, just sorting by penalty minutes thing is if you're kind of an asshole, like people, the voters will be like, yeah, I don't think so. Unfortunately for Brad Marchand, he has no chance of ever winning this trophy. <laughs> Cam, your Lady Bing winner, please. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just going to back it with Barkov. It makes sense. Um, I, I would like to see, you know, the the people out there nut up and give give an honorary one to Patrice Bergeron along with the Selkie because he's just such a gentleman and he deserves one uh, toward the tail end of his career. But um, we call yeah, those Barkov, lifetime achievement awards. Yeah, exactly. You know, it seems like an honorable thing to do, but we call it actually what is the, the NHL Patrice Bergeron lifetime <laughs> achievement award. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he could have a lot of awards named after him. All worthwhile. Should really should. The Vesna Trophy is awarded to the best goaltender of the year, not having anything to do with you know fewest goals against or allowed, whatever you want to call it. That's the Jennings. We'll save that for later. The Vesna Trophy is a very tough one to pick this year, as it usually is every year. But like Andre Vasilevsky, his name isn't really in this this year, so that's why it gets even harder to pick because it's not like you know. With the heart, you just defer to Connor McDavid. With the Vesna, you just look at Vasilevsky and say, yeah, probably him, right? This year, I'm going to just give out my nominees, and then I'll let you guys kind of pick the winner. <laughs> because I have Jake Ottinger in contention for this award. Because mm-hmm. I look at goals against average, I look at save percentage, I look at shutouts, I look at the games played, I looked at the workload that they've had, the minutes mm-hmm. they played, the saves that they have, the shots that they've faced. I would love to look at goals saved above average and all the other fancy stats, um, but I just don't have that time. And that's what—that's not what the writers and anyone's looking at either, right? And and I try to look at it, you know, from a realistic perspective of well, who are some of the defenders in front of these guys? How have the offense? How's the offense been in front of them? You know, because Linus Olmark is another nominee that I have that he's got the best goals against average, the best save percentage and pretty much everything else in the league right now. But he's played in five fewer games than Jake Ottinger and my other nominee, Connor Hellebuck. So if you look from a pure workload perspective, Allmark has only faced 793 shots against. Hellebuck's faced 1,027. Ottinger's faced 917. So whether or not you love Derek Forbort, the Bruins (laughs) defense is pretty good. Yeah, They're confident in front of Allmark. And he's also stopping almost 94% of the shots that he faces, which is insanity. But if you look at it from the perspective of Halibut's played in a few more games and he's had like at this point, 400 more shots at him. Maybe you give it to Connor Halibut. So I had Halibut as my second guy. Um, Yeah. Cam, you want to take this? I'm just going to say, I feel like this is one of those awards that becomes, for better or for worse, very Cy Youngian baseball, where people overvalue records. Um, and it's hard to look at 22 and 2. I mean, granted, you know, we'll see how the rest of the year goes. But if Omar keeps winning at this rate and has the top save percentage or close to it and goals against average, I think voters are going to be more willing to overlook that gap. I. Personally, kind of tend to skew toward what Lancey was going with, where the workload is so important for goalies. Right, those five difference can be huge difference makers, and um, for a guy to go sixty plus or something like that and still put up numbers like that is is incredible. But um, I do feel like the wins are valued probably a little bit more than they should be. So I think it's going to be a mark. And so that is why, as the deciding factor here, I am giving my Vesna Trophy to Linus Allmark. Because it's it's that type of Tim Thomas or Jonathan Quick performance where you're like, we just won't see this again 
And then some goalie does it like five years later, in this case, 11 years later, Olmark. But um, it's just, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know what? Workload, shots faced, it might be quite enough of a difference to be like, it's got to be Hellebuck. But from games played purely, they're right on top of each other. You know, it's a difference of five games. Olmark can make that up. You know, I, if he plays at least 50 games in the season, that gives enough credibility to Vesna consideration. If they go more of a 41-41 split like they did last season, then it might take it away from him. But as things are trending currently, it has to be Linus Allmark, Connor Hellebuck, a close second. And I mean a very, 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 very close second. If Allmark falls off of anything at this point, it's Hellebuck's to win, bar none. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I did. So there are only five goaltenders this year who have the save percentage of above 920 right now. Um, Honorable mention, Ilya Sorokin. Yeah, so he's my number three. I have Ilya Sorokin number three. Um, I had Hellebuck as my representative of the the three goalies who have that, like, we play in front of a bad defense, take a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. That's Ottinger, Hellebuck, and Saros. Um, and, and those, not so coincidentally, are the other three guys who are over 920. Um, and, I mean, I had... I, I, had Ottinger, I so I love Jake Ottinger. I maybe I was fighting against personal bias by putting him as my number five, but I feel like he also kind of has good defensemen in front of him, even if he has taken a lot of shots with a guy like Miro Haskinen. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like it, it whereas I mean, Yusuf Saros, like we've seen him, but I mean, he has Roman Yossi. We've we've seen him play behind like good defenses, and we've seen him play behind this one. Roman Yossi, definitely, else. It, well, and and Roman Yossi's not necessarily having good defensive season. No. Nope. Um. So. Yeah, it, it was it was a toss up, but I mean, I think Connor Hellebuck's having a really impressive season. Obviously Josh Morrissey's having a really good offensive season in front of him defensively. Some foreshadowing there. Um, but I mean, I, I, what he's at what? Nine twenty four? Is that what his save percentage is right now? I mean, and nine twenty five, nine twenty five roundup. And he, I mean, he, he's a Vesna winner. Uh, so we know that he is this good. And I think a lot of times voters one at once, you can win it again. Yeah. Voters take stuff like that into account where like, Oh, this is not a fluke. Like this guy's really good in front of a bad defense. Um, so that, that will be something that I'm looking at as the season goes on. But right now with only five guys in the nine twenties and you have Linus Olmark at nine thirty eight. Uh, you just, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought up Cy Young voting cam. Cause this is like Pedro stuff. This is one of the seasons where the goal scoring is, is up by a pretty substantial amount. The average save percentage is down by a pretty substantial amount. And still, even with the loss last night, he had a quality start. He had a 933 save percentage and, and, and still a, and Mark is, is doing like, cause he only allowed two goals. Honestly, if, if Omar gets to the end of the season, he still has like a nine thirty-five or above. 
you're talking maybe getting some hard votes. I mean, I, I don't hate it. <laughs> it's very hard for a goaltender to win anything. That's not a goaltending award. I'm not saying he's going to win anything. Price. I'm saying maybe taking some votes away from Pasta. Right. No, <laughs> that's, that's the thing is that he would be like fifth and I'd be like, good enough. You want it. You basically want it. <laughs> uh, the Calder given to the rookie of the year. I'm pretty sure we all just watched the who's going to win the Calder this year last night. If you're a Bruins fan in the game against the Kraken, because Matt even to me is just a cut above the rest. Even though a lot of the rookies are pretty close in the number of goals they've scored or the number of points they've amassed. Cause one of the guys I want to give a shout out to as a nominee is with the Arizona coyotes. And he has three goals, 19 assists. We like to call that the Mark Savard playmaker of the year award. Doing a little uh, map over here for Matthias Michelli, uh, or Maselli, if you want to be a little more Italian. But Matthias Michelli, yeah, there you um, go. Again, he's Finnish. Uh, <laughs> Logan Thompson of the Vegas Golden Knights, an impressive 18 10 and 1 record, 266 goals against average, 914 save percentage, two shutouts in 29 games played. I mean, not, not bad, not really great, but not bad again, considering that goaltending is a little bit weird now that scoring is up. A 266 with that kind of record. Pretty good. I mean, the Golden Knights are top team in their division, if not first or second any given night, depending on how good the Kings are. So, I mean, they're doing the thing. He'll at least be a nominee. But Matty Beniers has this one, to me, locked up. 34 points, 16 goals, 18 assists thus far. I mean, how can you not enjoy watching this kid if you stay up late enough to watch the West Coast games? Yeah. Um so I, I, my, I left Logan Thompson off. I, I, this is one of the categories I put together a list of five guys for, and Logan Thompson was my fifth. Um, I, I think he, I wouldn't say struggling lately, but like he started off real hot and has been more average recently um, to kind of level out that save percentage. But still, I mean, he's filled in admirably on a, on a cup contending team. Um so he, I think he's definitely going to get plenty of votes. I went defenseman heavy here. I put Jake Sanderson number two and Owen Power number three. Um, I I like what those guys are bringing. I think Jake Sanderson gives you a little bit of the two-way game while Owen Power gives you some really impressive offensive skill. Um, and then the guy I left just off was Mason McTavish. Um, I think that Ducks team is a little bit of a mess, so it's kind of hard to... Very much so. Hard to reward anybody on that, but I think uh, I think he's doing a good job. Cam, any dissenting opinions that are strong? No, I think he hit all the boxes there. Um, I do like McTavish. Though. I wrote an article about him like a few years ago when he was, I think, in the CHL. I forget what league he played in, but um, it's kind of cool to like see him tearing it up now. So shouts to him, but I like Bernier. There you go. Uh, honorable mention to Wyatt Johnston of the Dallas Stars because early on, I mean, as you've referenced with Logan Thompson, early on his play was great as of lately, maybe just kind of average. Uh, but I would swap him out for Thompson if things pick up again. Uh, but as things stand currently, yeah, it has to be been years. The Art Ross Trophy is the guy with the most points at the end of the season. You don't really have to have nominees for this. And if you already have him as your heart winner, why wouldn't he win the Art Ross Trophy? Because... Let's be real here. Connor McDavid averaging like 200 points a night, going to finish the season with 10,000. Uh, don't fact check me on any of that. 
But it's Connor McDavid. Congrats, Connor McDavid. You won the Art Ross. Congrats, Connor McDavid. You did. Well deserved. Again. Anyone else have any, you know, unpredictable, like, actually, it's going to be David Pasternak or. I had I had Jason Robertson as a second potential opportunity and then Leon Dreisaitl number three. Like, I don't know. There's a world like Connor McDavid's gotten hurt before. Right. Uh, not wishing injury on anybody, but, you know. It does happen sometimes, especially for ride a skateboard. Uh, the James Norris Memorial Trophy award annually to the best defender of the NHL. And uh, lately it seems like people are just turning this into what we proposed as the Bobby Orr trophy, where you just give like the Art Ross to a defender with a lot of points, um, but keep it just defenders. For me, the Norse is a combination of things that people love and hate. You have points. Sure. You have plus minus. Yeah, as as flawed as a stat as it may be, this is where I take it into account contextually. Because uh, you have a guy like Eric Carlson who has 56 points and is having the best season of his life since the best season he had in Ottawa. Uh, so this is by far his best year in San Jose. But he's a minus three. He plays on a team that is absolutely terrible. I mean, just so plays with bad. Jason Megna. <laughs> and... And James Reimer is just not not having a fun time right now. I, we speak about goalie stats. I remember seeing that his goals against average is above three. And, um, you know, that's like vintage before the dead puck era vibes. Uh, so Eric Carlson, spectacular. Love everything about him. But that minus three gives me a hard time even nominating him when you have a few other guys that are doing absolutely incredible things of their own. Sorry, Josh, I meant Jacob Megna, Jason Megna's brother, I assume. Yeah, I'm assuming because, you know, the last name. Josh Morrissey has 47 points on a Winnipeg Jets team, which, again, we've established this. Somehow they're in a playoff position. They're doing well. It's a team effort. There's no one there that really stands out as playing above everyone else unless it's Connor Hellebuck. He's a plus 11. He's got 47 points. He's having a career year. But he doesn't win it for me because, you know, there's. I'm sure there's other stats to look at that I just didn't because it was like four in the morning when I was looking at this. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin of the Buffalo Sabres, another nominee for me. 47 points, a plus 16 rating on the Buffalo Sabres, a team that historically has been terrible since they haven't been in the playoffs in a dozen years. This year, there's hope. Maybe next year will be even better, and they should be, because if you've seen the way they've been playing, they're going to be a team to watch if you aren't already watching. Uh, But Darlene doesn't win it for me this year. When a guy like Adam Fox simply exists, he is perhaps the modern day Nick Lidstrom where he's just going to win the Norse every other year because of the name recognition. He's already won one. Why not give him a second? He's got 44 points and a plus 17 rating on New York Rangers team that has been all over the place in the metropolitan division this year. They're on a high rise. Now they're surging, but Adam Fox has been consistent throughout the year. And you might think, well, Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, it's going to be a battle between them every other year. And honestly, at this point, it is. Fox won it two years ago. McCarr won it last season. I have Fox winning again this year. 
because Kale McCarr, 39 points, doing fine, a plus four rating on an Avalanche team that is very, very injured right now. So Adam Fox has to be the winner for me. I'm very, very sorry, Eric Carlson. On my ballot, you would be fourth, but it's very hard to, to even put him at fourth. It hurts me so. Chris, I'm sure you maybe went in a different direction, being the resident Sharks fan that you are. You got me. You got me. Uh, yeah, I, I have Eric Carlson winning it. Um, I think the writers love a good story. Um, and Eric Carlson being basically useless for a couple of seasons and, um, you know, having having that ankle surgery uh, and just not being the same player that, you know, we, we all expected him to be. You know, I, I don't think anyone expected him to live up to the whatever eleven and a half million dollar contract that he signed, but um, I think people were expecting a little more than what we were getting, and uh, it's just really cool to see a player that I like a lot. I have an Eric Carlson San Jose Sharks jersey, um, so this is not a completely unbiased opinion. I think he's been okay defensively; he's never going to be great, but that's not really what the Norris Trophy is about. Um, he is on pace for over a hundred points and, you know, that's always cool to see defensemen score over a hundred points. Cause it almost never happens, even though it happened last year. Um, but you know, never still, still a thing. Um, so, I mean, I, I have Adam Fox number two. I think he is the best two way defenseman in the league. Um, uh, Can we until, get a selkie for defenders? Yeah, and until further notice, uh, like you said, he is he is always on Norris' watch, and I think there is a very real possibility that Eric Carlson kind of tapers off at the end of the season, and Adam Fox just kind of snatches that away. Um, I left Josh Morrissey off. Um, I I kind of think that it is most likely that he's going to taper off at some point. Um, I would, I would love to see him not. Uh, and again, it's a great story. Yeah. If he does, it's a good story. I, I put Rasmus Dahlin as my, as my number three. I think it's kind of his time to take the mantle as like one of those great young defensemen. Uh, and I, I think he's probably looking at winning a Norris in the next few years. So. Um, unless Owen power splits votes with him. <laughs> if they, uh, it must become... suck to have two Norris caliber defenders <laughs> on the same team. Yeah. Who uh, couldn't be the Bruins. They, I, I did put Hampus Lindholm on my yeah, show. I'm like, so. I, I was waiting for Cam to try yeah. and be like, what? No love for Hampus. Oh, Lindholm where's my guy Hampus? I was, I was being a little, uh, a little facetious there. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm with Chris. I think it's going to be Carlson. I think the writers are going to see, like Lancey said, Fox is a player who's going to win it every other year for his entire career, probably. And I think writers are going to take that into account. And when you look at the the road that Carlson's had, it's pretty incredible. So I do think it's going to end up being him. Um, that being said, I feel like if we're actually judging on strictly who is the best defenseman, it's probably Adam Fox. So um, take that as you will, but. <laughs> We'll take that victory. And shouts to Hampus Lindholm, baby. My guy. Oh, we, and Chucky, obviously, but we love yeah. ourselves some Swedish defenders. Let's just let's be real here. Rasmus, yeah. Hampus, anything that ends in us. Um Yeah, and, and shouts to Dalian. Obviously, what he's doing is incredible for a Buffalo team that's less than incredible. So right. Uh, but getting there. 
Speaking of good stories, though, Chris, Eric Carlson, I mean, he could win the Masterton, which is actually the next trophy we're going to talk about. Um, my nominees that are not winners, Craig Anderson, simply for being as old as he is. No offense. They do like to give nominees for just being old as hell. Right. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom, the the injury that he had, the surgery that he had, the, the length of time that he was out, the fact that he's coming back now. I mean, he's only played like two games. I don't know how great he's looked, but similarly, similar nature to that. Max Pacioretty, the Carolina Hurricanes, my winner of this award, injured just before training camp. Uh, made his debut the other night in Columbus, put up a couple of goals, looked great. Didn't look like he really missed out on that much time in terms of being an NHL player, but that's kind of what you expect from an NHL player that's been part of the league for the last greater than a decade. Uh, Yes, he has a a new lower body injury unrelated to the Achilles injury, but uh, hopefully that doesn't keep him out of the lamp for much longer, if if at all. And uh, he's going to be my Masterton Trophy winner because, again, we love good stories. Missed a lot of time. He's a goal scorer's goal scorer. And uh, I just think he is one of the the missing pieces that the Hurricanes have needed all season long that they've had in their back pocket because of the brilliant work of Don Waddell in the offseason. Cam, your Masterson Trophy winner, if you would, please. I am wholly unprepared for this one, to be honest with you. Uh, Cam can make a comeback from this. He actually wins the award. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Comeback player of the year, baby. Drew, when he comes back on the podcast later. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you want me to take this, Cam? Yeah, go for it. Uh, cool, because I treated this with the seriousness that Drew would normally treat this. That's good. Um, I think this is the dumbest NHL award because the nominees are usually like one or two guys who have endured like serious personal tragedies. And then the third guy is like someone who endured being bad for a season. Yeah. Um, so my nominees are Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman, um, all for having to stand near Connor McDavid while he wears those fucking socks. Yeah. Yeah. That was some sketchy shit. That was some big time sketchy shit. I thought you'd say playing in McDavid's shadow. That's no, it, that would be too uh, too real. That's still pretty awesome, so yeah. <laughs> uh, well, on we go. The Ted Lindsay Award is the player MVP trophy, as voted on by the players. I don't really feel like coming up with nominees for this because, again, it's going to be Connor McDavid. So congrats, Connor McDavid. You got a hat trick of awards now. Yay. Yeah, I, I did the same thing I did for the Hart Trophy, except for some reason I swapped David Pasternak and Jason Robertson. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe players will think differently for once. That'd be cool. Uh, but it's it's Connor McDavid. It's it's kind of like the most popular driver award in NASCAR. It was Dale Jr. for many years, and then when he retired, everyone was like, uh, "Well, Bill Elliott has a kid, so Chase Elliott. It's going to be him every year." It kind of sucks as an award, is what I'm saying. Uh, Cam, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, Cam, your Jack Adams award winner, if you would please, your coach of the year and uh, nominees that you might have as well. Um, I mean, Jim Montgomery, obviously, I think he's going to be a contender coming back and and uh, doing what he's done with Boston, obviously, inheriting a good roster, but um, still, the work he's done is impressive. Bruce Cassidy going to a new going to a new team and, and tearing it up like he has so far. Familiar um, face. Obviously, uh, two 
guys that we are personally cheering for on this podcast, but um, that's all. I really think it's going to be one of them. So, I I mean, you could go like, I don't even know what, who's Buffalo's coach. I don't even know what his name is, to be honest with you. But finally getting over the hump, especially if they end up making the playoffs here, that could be a, that could be an option, but I'm going, I'm going Monty. Uncle Monty or Monty's restaurant, which used to exist in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Chris, it's Jim Montgomery. I, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> I feel like so often this award just goes to the coach who coached the team that people thought was going to be bad and then wasn't as bad as they thought they were going to be. And then sometimes a team just dominates and becomes a an all-time great team in the regular season. And, you know, that's, that's when you get John Cooper winning uh, the Jack Adams. And I think that's the right thing to do. Um and I, I got a couple other guys. I'm like Pete DeBoer. I think has done a really good job in Dallas. I think you know he, he pretty routinely like goes to a new team and does a really good job for a couple of years and then wears out his welcome. That's an interesting style of coaching, I guess. Yeah, um, Stanley Cup final in first season, and then he just like progressively gets a whole lot worse. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's a, that's a good job in Dallas. Like that a team that was not very good last year that has done well. And I think that's a thing that generally garners votes. Um, and then I have Dave Haxtell. Uh, I think uh, an unexpectedly good Seattle team that kind of needed to be good. Um, I think about know, that, but that's a good choice. Yeah. And mansion team that was God awful last year. And, you know, you really want to make sure that you're developing a fan base uh, after kind of a letdown of a season and, you know, if that team makes the playoffs and and makes some noise, then yeah, it'll probably give some votes to Dave Haxtell. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned DeBoer, you mentioned Cassidy, you mentioned another guy that I'm going to talk about being one of my nominees in a second. But Rick Bonus, another honorable mention here. Again, the Winnipeg Jets doing a lot better than I think most people thought they would. Um, is that mostly Connor Hallibuck, or is that because Bonus has brought in some sort of a system to Winnipeg after years of Paul Maurice? Rod Brindamore, somehow still not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but year to year, he's a good head coach. And again, gets honorable mention here. Uh, Dave Haxtall would be my third place finish unless Seattle somehow wins their division. I mean, there's a good chance they're going to make the playoffs, which great. We love to see it. Good storyline. There's a slight, small chance that they could win the Pacific division, which is traditionally speaking, the worst division of the four. But they have a slim chance of pulling off the improbable. Now, can they win a playoff round? That's a bigger question. Lindy Ruff, New Jersey Devils. He's my second place finisher. And of course, Jim Montgomery from the Boston Bruins, probably going to take this home. So yeah, I feel like Lindy Ruff, if, if the devils like managed to hold serve, I guess um, they, they did go on a bit of a skid. They, they were kind of like neck and neck with the Bruins as like the fun story of the beginning of the season. And then, trailed off a little bit but i think they're they're kind of finding their their center a little bit and right. i guess you know if they if they do keep going that way then lindy ruff pretty pretty consistently a good coach like i think has done a good job at a, a lot of different stops so for having to sh- put up with new jersey fans alone <laughs> he, he gets some major storylines from me from being booed to being cheered uh, he, he is a true Ted Lasso, except everyone kind of knew he would be 
good at a hockey coach because he was a hockey coach before and he's a hockey coach still. Whereas Ted Lasso went from American football to actual football and is a fictitious person. Cam, how are we doing on time? Yeah, I'm probably going to run here in a sec. I was just say, I don't know. I can leave this going. Or if you guys want to do like a hangout for the second half, and then I can just clip them together when I edit. Yeah, my what my hesitation on leaving it open is that like... What happens if it closes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like maybe I don't want to lose what we have. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly was my thought. I think it probably would, but I'm not sure if I want to gamble 50 minutes of a podcast on that. Cam, so. before we wrap Especially it up, on with your, my end, <laughs> your reputation can't handle that. Before no, we wrap exactly. it up on your end, Cam, I do want to hear your Selkie, Jennings, King Clancy, Rocket Richard, Jim Gregory, oh, Campbell Jesus. Bowl, Wales, uh, and Stanley Rapid Cup Fire. Wins. Okay, uh, Selkie, Bergeron, obviously. Um, what else we uh King Clancy? Which one is that? That's, That's the uh, leadership like award. Stuff. Nice guy award. Is it charity? Is it like I don't I don't know. I don't have it's not quite the Mark Messier leadership award, but it's like but it's charity like plus those. being a nice guy. I don't even know. I don't know why I, I got nothing here. <laughs> I'm, I'm unprepared for that one. Let's say Brad um, Hey, you got uh, it. it's gonna be uh Sean Thornton for the the Thornton Foundation. Yeah, <laughs> they were bring him back, he's gonna win it. Jennings That's trophy. Goalie Jennings award. trophy is US goals against. Fewest goals against for a goaltender. Uh, for the team. minimum twenty five teams team. played. Uh, I'll give you a hint. The Bruins. Uh, I'd say it's probably the Bruins, right? I don't the the Bruins they, have given up twenty yeah. fewer goals than any. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, unless there's something I'm missing, it feels like it'd be obvious. But yeah, okay. So Bruins. Rocket Richard. Uh, Rocket Richard. Uh, David. Or, yeah, David, David McDavid. Connor McDavid Posternock. I'm pretty sure it's a letter Kenny line. Uh, yeah, po- uh, fucking hell, McDavid. I'm looking at McDavid. I'm trying to – he's on my screen on the other side. He's giving me a weird stare. I'm going to close it. Um, Jim Gregory, GM of the year. Um, I think there's a interesting case for Sweeney. I Like, it's – the thing is that, that I was thinking about this earlier. Do you still count him if it's – the Hampus Lindholm trade is really, I think, what's putting him over the edge, and he made that last but year. That so was last season. Count? It was last at, season, but the writers tend to. I don't think they're going to consider that, right? Like, so. They, yeah. they, they, no, they tend to look at things at previous seasons. Yeah. I'm going to go. Uh, it's tough I'm to do a mid season GM of the year yeah, award. It is. I'm going to go a, a Sweeney based on what we've seen. Um, Especially and, since they don't vote on it until the second round of the playoffs is ended. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it usually can, goes to one, like, one of the teams that's still around at the that top point. four. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go Sweeney for the for Hampus and, and also honestly the Olmark deal is looking better and better. I know we're reaching even further back there, but um that is paying off big time, obviously. So the uh, Western Conference champions. I wanna say Vegas. I I part of me is that I want the storyline. I but I, I feel like they have a very realistic chance, especially with a fully healthy Jack Eichel. So um, I'm going to go Vegas. Okay. Your Eastern Conference champions. The Buffalo say no. Uh, it's going to be the Browns. <laughs> it's my pick. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, playoffs, all that. You just um, gave Mike from Hooper in a heart attack. But it's okay. I will say, like, you know, obviously this is this is the team that, like, I feel the most confident about. Granted, we're 40 games away. But if the playoffs started now, I would feel better about this team than I have since probably any Bruins team ever. So, um Bold. I like yeah. it. And I think they're going to fucking do it. I think they're going to do it. So, so sure I was going to say, so that leads to your second champion being. I think it's going to be uh, six games Bruins over Vegas Golden Knights. I think Cassidy and his, his squad is going to put up a fight. 
Um, but I think I think Monty and the Bees are going to get it done in six. All right. Good stuff. Cam is free to go and hang out with his friends that are not us. And we'll remain yeah, I'm trying to figure this. out if my nose is broken. You see how red that is? I got drilled in the face by a ball yesterday, and it's like you see that line across the middle? Uh, if if you don't have like fucking raccoon eyes, then it's not yeah. broken. No, I figured it's not. I've broken it once. In that might be ball, a cartilage thing, but, though. Like if you're yeah, yeah, cartilage is fucked up at the tip over there. Whatever. I can still smell, so it seems like it's working. <laughs> yeah, so you don't you don't have <laughs> it's not COVID. Uh, okay, yeah, you yeah. don't have original COVID. <laughs> yeah, the OG. <laughs> All right, well, before I head out, just a reminder that the Bruise and Bruise podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and our go-to place for wild card and divisional round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to the Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Down the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restriction supply. She's show notes for details. Anyway, where were we? Uh, Cam left. We Cam left. We couldn't find a single person in our lives to fill in. To fill uh, in for Cam. <laughs> so we just, just finished up the Jack Adams. Cam just means and... that much. You know what we should have done? And I'm sure other Cam is probably working right now, but we should have replaced Cam with Cam. Davis version, that is. That would have been clever. We would have told nobody except for like in the title. And then you'd be like featuring Cam Davis and then people would know him. But I'm just saying that there's an idea for the future. Replace Cam with Cam secretly. Mid pod, just see if anyone notices. (laughs) Hey, Cam, what do you think? Yeah, Cam, you sound a little different, Cam. You also look taller, Cam. What's going on here, Cam? Um, So we got through our Jack Adams Awards winners, and now we're on to the Selkie, which is affectionately known as Patrice Bergeron or Nobody Else Award, right? Correct. So it's going to be Patrice Bergeron or Nobody Else because, I mean, Patrice Bergeron is 37 years old in his 19th season and still very good. And everything backs it up. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think there's anything that is saying he shouldn't win the Selkie this year, unless, of course, an injury occurs, and we do not wish that upon anyone. But, I mean, Alexander Barkov, close second for me, but Bergeron just just a lot better because he's Patrice Bergeron. Uh, Bo Horvat, surprisingly, one of my other nominees. I think he's having a really great season. I think his two-way play has looked a lot better than in recent years, if at all, his entire career. Uh, I know a lot of times you want to talk about Connor McDavid or Mark Stone being in consideration for this award. Uh, Stone, of course, famously on the injured reserve now. And uh, so that's going to hurt his chances. And Connor McDavid wins everything else. So he can't win the Selkie. Am I right? So Patrice Bergeron, congrats. This is your what, like six award of this type? Yeah. If Mark Stone were healthy right now, I would have him as my favorite for the Selkie because he is having an absolutely elite defensive season. Um, 
but they tend not to give these awards to people who don't play at least 60 games, I guess. And uh, who, who knows how many games Mark Stone's going to play because he has been injured the past couple of years. And, um, Early I, Masterton I, candidate for 2024. I feel like it's time for a winger to win this award, but it just, you know, Marcus Smart winning Defensive Player of the Year uh, in the NBA last year sets the tone for for a winger winning uh winning the selkie but you know entire different sport sets the tone for another sport yeah you know i i know i know the writers looking at that um you know what yuri letnin jr needs to become a thing and then we'll just give it to him so if the season had ended today i would have had mark stone jordan stall patrice bergeron uh as my finalist with mark stone winning it um i i think Jordan Stahl's having an awesome defensive year. We do love um, to see it. And, you know, he's, it, it's, it's one of those things where like, I think he's probably having a better defensive year than Patrice Bergeron, but this award is never about what it says it's about. It's really about like just the best defensive forward who is also elite offensively. And Patrice Bergeron's just having an insane season for a 37 year old center to go um, with the rest of the insane season that the Bruins are having. Currently. Yeah. And it's, it's another one of those things where like, it's a perfect storm. If you're following along with what's going on with the Bruins uh, and that follows through to the end of the season, you're going to give the award to the guy who is one of the most important players on that team. And it's going to go to Patrice Bergeron. So I, I have it also going to Patrice um to make it even weirder because i know a lot of people have been saying like oh the bruins are so good right now they're so good you know this that but but they're not as good as you know like the the 2019 Tampa Bay lightning or the 2002 detroit red wings or you know insert team that set records here but the thing to remember is that none of that really matters <laughs> we're in the now and right now the bruins are the best team speaking statistically and with records and everything and bergeron's play is reminiscent of ryan o'reilly's 2018-19 season in that he just went off in every facet imaginable for the st louis blues and it just so coincided with the greatest worst first half greatest second half of the regular season performance that then of course went on to win a stanley cup and bruins fans hate that understandably so but Bruins fans hate this but Patrice Bergeron is this season's Ryan O'Reilly from 2019 (laughs) sure you can make the argument maybe David Pasternak actually fits that mold in terms of Conn Smythe trophy winner but we're not predicting that one that's for later in the year this is the mid-seasonies it's a regular season performance base with a splash of performance playoff performance based awards Uh, but yeah I mean Patrice Bergeron, Selkie winner, because that's his nickname, Selkie. It was another guy's last name, but it's Patrice Bergeron's <laughs> nickname. <laughs> it was another guy's last name, but yeah, it's just uh, it doesn't belong to him anymore. What has Frank J. Selkie done for you lately? <laughs> Ask yourself this and vote um, for Mayor Quimby. So uh, I, I I did have trouble with this just because of the Mark Stone injury, whereas like I don't know if he's going to end up being a finalist. Um like, well, we don't know how injured this guy is and how, like, 
I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, assuming he is still in there, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna put him at my number two or number three, and then have Jordan Saul as my other guy. But, um, I, I did have a couple other names on there. I think Jimmy Vesey's getting some buzz because he's having a dominant defensive year. Um, I, I wouldn't have him in contention to win it because he's playing more like third line minutes and, um somewhere between third, second and third line minutes. And he's really, uh, who I don't really know what the competition he's playing against is. Cause he's not really a top line player or anything like that. Um, That's the thing with me and Jordan Stahl is that, you know, whether you put him on special teams or, you know, he plays top six minutes a night, he's always been like a third liner to me. Yeah. But in recent years, especially he's, he's a really good penalty killer and, I mean, he's he's playing a lot of minutes, so like that's that's he's kinda... just playing out of his mind this year compared to the last five seasons, which is we love to see it. As I've yeah. said, um, I I do feel like you obviously have a better idea of what's going on in, in Carolina. So theoretically uh, speaking, so I am yeah. working uh, like three games in a row coming up within the next week, so I will see a lot of Hurricanes hockey in pretty, person. Pretty sick. Uh, and the, and then the other guy I pulled up was Nick Dowd, but he's playing more like between fourth and and third line minutes, and uh, another guy where I'm uh, totally uncertain of what kind of competition he's playing against. Um, but he's he's one of those guys that has just like excellent underlying numbers, and I'm I'm looking at both like goals against and expected goals against, and um. Yeah, our goals above replacement, I mean, but um you know. Checks I, I, out. It's it's just tough to say anything other than Patrice Bergeron as long as he's like one of the best players on one of the best teams, also just like it doesn't even matter, like after he retires, as long as he's still breathing air, Patrice Bergeron wins this award. Well, and and the other thing that Selkie I guess like unfairly deals with his face-off win percentage and Patrice Bergeron as always just elite. So, you know, uh, Jordan Stahl, I believe is also pretty good in that, in that, but you know, Mark Stone's not going to catch many votes for winning face-offs as a winger. Um, I mean, you know, there's half the time if his center gets thrown out, you never know. Maybe he takes a face-off or two, uh, but yeah, Patrice Bergeron kind of practices it a lot, both at practice in game and, by nature of being a center. Uh, I would love to talk more love for Patrice Bergeron, but I think we should talk about the, the William M. Jennings trophy because we we referenced it before when Cam revealed his winners and uh, it's it's unanimous here. It's Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman, given the fact that the Bruins have a plus 20 goal differential on the next best team in terms of fewest goals allowed. Minimum it, 25 it would be pretty crazy if, if another team yeah, came anywhere close to it would be beating them and and typically when a Vesna trophy winner like Linus Allmark should be this season has the type of year where they have like a 940 save percentage they usually also win the Jennings I, it would be hard for them not to <laughs> so so congrats to Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman uh hug it out at the awards ceremony which is going to be held in have they said where it would be this year? That's probably something I should have looked up before. Is it going to be in Nashville? Why am I, why am I thinking Nashville? 
the NASCAR awards are in Nashville. And speaking of NASCAR, it's NASCAR day at the Hurricanes game on Sunday. Get your tickets now. Uh, <laughs> the King Clancy Trophy, which is like the good guy award who did a lot of things for charity. Uh, I've got Gabe Landeskog of the Colorado Avalanche. Honestly, not even sure what he's done, but I just know he's a really nice guy. And I feel like the Avs have done above and beyond since winning the cup in terms of initiatives, player initiatives and such. So congrats, Gabe Landeskog. It turns out you're a really cool dude. Yeah, I put Patrice Bergeron because I didn't know what to do with this. And I mean, he's won it before, so he can win it again. Uh, The Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy. Awarded annually to the player that scored the most goals because it's like they're at Ross minus all the other points. No point in assists. Like the no point in warm-up street tweet. Oh, did I mention that I saw Elliot Friedman flying out of Logan when I flew back down here after New Year's? I know it's sent in a text, but I just wanted to say it on the show. It was it was a pretty cool experience. I saw him ahead of me in the security line. And then I didn't see him again because he went a different flight. And I, I, I was just too far back that if I said anything, TSA would have been like, we're on to you. And just close enough that I could actually see him and be like, 32 thoughts guy. But uh, shouts Elliot Friedman. If he hears this at all, then uh, I definitely was not being creepy. I just was recognizing that my fellow hockey enjoyer was in a line like 10 people ahead of me actually more than that but less than 20 people ahead of me we'll, we'll put it at that uh maurice rocket richard trophy david Pasternak. i know connor mcdavid has 35 goals currently and tage thompson is 31 but pa- pasta's got 32 i mean that's that's pretty good mm-hmm. he can outscore connor mcdavid uh Connor McDavid, though, could probably outscore Connor McDavid. I mean, that's that's the hard thing. It's either going to be Pasta or McDavid. Thompson's going to throw his hat in the ring. I think this is the year that he kind of warms up to it a lot, and next year is the year that he goes off and takes it. But I've got Pasta because I like spaghetti. I I, I put Connor McDavid. Um, I also... I did like a top five uh, guys who are in contention. Um, and, and in the order I have them, it's McDavid, Pasternak, Thompson, Robertson, and Ovechkin. I I looked at all their underlying numbers. I looked at guys who are more likely to trail off than other guys. And it turns out all these guys have expected goals, percentages, and whatever, like much higher than they're even out putting now so <laughs> i don't i don't know who's likely to trail off in fact it looks like they're all uh just as likely to keep going at the same pace if not better it's crazy because um, pasta's on pace for like 60 and in one and, of my forecasts i've been doing he's like it's set all season long like 51 can't do any better than that so but i'm like i think he'll get more than 51 the <laughs> only reason that i have mcdavid over pasta i guess i have two reasons one reason is that last year austin matthews scored 60 goals and kind of came out of nowhere in the second half of the season especially and i think hockey players are that type of competitive where like you know mcdavid has the skills to be a goal scorer and you know i feel like 
the most similar player to McDavid that we've seen recently is Sidney Crosby. Whereas like, it's a guy who's seen as elite skater, elite distributor with like the skills to get close enough to the net to score goals and, you know, undress goalies when they get there. Um, but I think recently we've been seeing McDavid score more goals from further out um, and kind of with, with kind of like a fuck you attitude where it just seems like if I can't oh, win a cup, I'm going to win all the trophies. Oh, uh, you guys think because Austin Matthews can play defense that he's better than me and he can score 60 goals. So he's better than me. So I'm going to come out and score 60 goals. And um, I, I think that's, that's one of those things where like, he's so good that you just can't stop him when he gets that mindset. Um, you know, think- I'm glad that you mentioned Sidney Crosby, by the way, this is like the 25th anniversary of this award being handed out because it wasn't a thing until the late nineties. Uh, Crosby has played his entire career with this being a possibility. He's won it twice, 2009, 2010, 51 goals. Was that like the last of the dead puck era, you might say, if you stretch it by an entire decade? (laughs) Uh, The 2016-17 season, 44 goals. He won it. Somehow no one else That's a That's a pretty crazy like low goal total to win the Rocket Richard, but... So that just amazes me to remember that like, oh yeah, Crosby's won it twice, whereas Alex Ovechkin has won it pretty much all the other years since and between. Uh, And then McDavid exists as having his Crosby era where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to win this other random award. (laughs) But I still have Pasta winning it. Yeah, and I guess the the other reason I have Pasternak finishing second is because the the way he scores is a little more dependent on you know a bunch of power play opportunities and he's been he's been shifted around in the lineup based on injuries and whatnot and i guess just like a level of consistency that you know he's he's been impressively resilient with you know kind of being juggled around and and stuff like that so i'm i'm not too worried about him trailing off to a an insane amount but like in terms of putting up 65 goals i think what we're a, really saying a, here there's a realistic possibility that Connor mcdavid scores 65 68 goals and i think picking up the pace to that level is less realistic if you are being juggled around the lineup and you are super dependent on power play opportunities and a, a lot of the players around you and i, I do think David Pasternak's done a great job this year of proving that he is potentially the best player on this team and worthy of that $11, $12 million contract, whatever's coming his way. Um, great year to all, have a contract all, here. All that is really great, uh, but I, I just don't think he's going to be able to supersede what McDavid has been doing and has the potential to do even more. Um yeah, we're really I, saying here is it's a great race. We hope no one gets injured because it, it's, it's a three horse race all the way to the end. Uh, I, I don't have your dark horse, horse race. I don't think it's a three horse race. You I don't think, think Tage Thompson can't have like another game where he scores five goals? No, I. It's not even that. It's that I think it's a five horse race. I really think there is a a chance that Alex Ovechkin a and Jason field. Robertson 
have the skills available. Like uh, who would be shocked if Alex Ovechkin had a 35 goal second half? And I mean, this is true. I was going to say the next hour of the show, we're going to delve into Alex Ovechkin. (laughs) Is his pace a little off? Should we be worried? And then the obvious answer is no. (laughs) <laughs> no, he was, he was he was the one that I was most expecting to look at his expected goals percentage and and see like oh he's overachieving a little bit. Nope, he's underachieving just as much as these other guys. So just as much as and, his and that's even and that's even scarier for him who tends to succeed on lower percentage shots where further away from the goal, further a skew of the goal like the guy who's taking more shots from the dot top of the circle. Um, that's scary. Like the, that this, this man at the age of what 36 can still just be an absolute terror out there. Just imagine me in another eight years, just going off and scoring in the NHL in deck hockey. any goal at this point, but uh, yeah, you know what? I should find a deck hockey league while I'm at it around here. Um, the Jim Gregory GM of the Year Award, again, we referenced it earlier. It's not given out until after the second round of the playoffs are over. So it kind of really narrows things down once that happens. It's, it's a little then, silly to do this before the trade deadline, too. Until then, all 32 general managers are technically available to win this award, except I would consider 31 with an automatic disqualification given to the best team in the league, which makes things kind of weird uh but the mitchell miller thing should not have happened and that's why i don't even have don sweeney in my nominees i wasn't going to go in on cam or anything for saying there's a an argument for him but i think cam honestly probably forgot about that at the point which is exactly what don sweeney and cam nearly want people to think uh now that the bruins are back on track so i have honorable mentions for jim nill and rob blake and and let's be real here. Huge Rob Blake fan as a kid. So extra brownie points for that. Uh, but Jim Nill, the Dallas Stars, what he's been able to do in terms of kicking the can down the road in the extensions that they've signed and dealing with cap hell later as opposed to now. Sure, you still have the Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan contracts are a bit of a monstrosity on any given night, but Jamie Benn's been playing pretty well as of late. And, uh, you know, it's fine if one out of two of those is acceptable and the other one still gets to win a cup at the end of the year. But I'm not saying that Dallas Stars is going to win it all. And again, I'm just giving an honorable mention to Jim Nill. I'm giving an honorable mention to Rob Blake because the Kings have been active in the, are we going to rebuild? Are we going to retool? And they've kind of leaned more into the retool on the fly sort of thing, like what the New York Rangers have done, what the Bruins have done, what the Maple Leafs have done in recent years. And, uh, you know, whether it's Victor Arvidsson, Kevin Fiala, and the last couple of seasons of moves that they've made, they've done the right thing. They've they put themselves in the position to succeed. And right now, they're on a hot swing, which is great. But next week, they're going to be on a cold streak, and that's not as great. Uh, goaltending is still a little bit iffy, and that's why, again, only an honorable mention. Your third-place finisher for this award, I'm going to say Tom Fitzgerald and the New Jersey Devils. I don't think anyone... Didn't see this type of a season coming, but I don't think anyone also expected it to be as good as it has been at times. 
the Devils have been a team that have been inching closer and closer to playoff contention. And this year they've kind of blown themselves out of the water and then other times, you know, sunk a little bit. But they've been surging again as of late, it seems. At least their head-to-head matchup with the Carolina Hurricanes for the top of the Metropolitan Division. Very competitive. Uh, obviously, we hope it goes more in favor of the Canes in the next couple of games that they have on the schedule remaining. But um, can't rule out the Devils from being a team that's in the running for, hey, GM of the year, especially if they get to the conference final somehow. Ron Francis the former Hurricane slash Whaler himself, of the Seattle Kraken. Yes, it's obvious they have analytics heavy in that front office. They have Ron Francis, who's known for kind of drafting and developing a system of players and not just an actual roster. But the things that they've done from year one to year two, the aggressiveness that they had in the free agent market and attracting talent and getting long-term deals and then making the, the steal of the century in goaltending, Martin Jones taking him and revitalizing <laughs> his career. Um, I mean, that's just, that's a great, we love storylines here. That's a great storyline. Ron Francis, second place. Don Waddell, for me, and this is completely unbiased. I am not bound <laughs> by any contract to say this. Don Waddell at the Carolina Hurricanes takes the cake because I mean, you could say for the Brent Burns acquisition and the Max Pacioretty acquisitions alone. I mean, they literally gave nothing to the Vegas Golden Knights to get Pacioretty and Dylan Collin. Awesome. Love to see it. Goals in, no goals out. You just got a lot more goals. But it's the other moves that he's made and been able to manage from, sure, last season into this season, if you want to take that into account. But the offseason, the the extension, first of all, Pyotr Kochetkov, just in this season alone, four years, two million per season. That is spectacular. And if you want to talk for a second, hey, what's Jeremy Swayman going to be looking at season's end? Probably that. You know, maybe you do a three-year bridge deal because you know he's been playing like a backup, and that's fine. That's where he's supposed to be at. But then his next contract will be the one where he cashes in. But to get four years of Kochekov, who has the best save percentage on the Hurricanes currently. Uh, and that's, you know, keeping in mind that Frederick Anderson has only played nine games. He's been hurt for a lot of it. And Antiranta has been, he's been a backup. I mean, he's, he's fine. He's serviceable. The rest of the team can bail him out when they really need to. Um, it's just, it's kind of, it's master level work in terms of ensuring that you have enough to go around for everyone else. And they have some pretty big names to re-sign. This offseason, Max Pacioretty, of course, you know, how much longer will he still be in town? I think they'll get it done where he signs potentially his last NHL contract and plays out the remaining years. Jordan Stahl, you know, th- that's 13 million between those two players that you're going to have to deal with in the offseason. But in good news, you have Aho signed through 2024. You have Svechnikov signed through t- 2029 at 7.75 million dollars per season in cap it and you have guys like marty natius who should be at the all-star game if you want to see two number 88s david posternock and marty natius maybe you should you know vote for them uh and you just you look at the roster up and down and you say okay you have a great core you brought in paul stassi he's a pretty great guy in your bottom six you have stefan noison who signed a two-year extension in the summer He's been pretty great on the special teams play. 
Derek Stepan, his second stint with the organization, not too shabby. You know, the, everything has been right place, right time for the Hurricanes for the last several seasons now. But this is the year that they could really take that next step. As I've said before, your Stanley Cup finalists are often best team in the regular season, most dominant team in a sense, and then team that kind of goes on a Cinderella run. Team that went through the previous season and thought this is their year, then played a series that they lost, that they should have absolutely won. The Hurricanes could have and should have beaten the New York Rangers last season in the second round. They didn't. So this is their Colorado Avalanche moment where they just say, you know what? We're going out, we're taking it. Next year, we're proving everyone wrong. Now, of course, you might say, well, if they meet up with the Bruins, it could go differently because last year was the Hurricanes year. This year it could be back to the Bruins, but that's not how sports always works. Get it out of your head. Uh, it's it's unpredictable. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things where Don Waddell has done a significant job of building this up to the point that it's gotten to and then to add the two biggest pieces of the team this season, the, the revitalization of the defense actually moving the puck tremendously well, but even better than that. I mean, you had Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin doing as well as they've done. You throw in Brent Burns into that equation, and suddenly you have what has just been a very, very fun team to watch when they're on top of their game. I will admit that consistency has been an issue, but that is somewhat, you know, leftovers from, hey, you know what, last season didn't really go the way that you wanted to. But starting in January is when you start to drop the hammer. February is by the time that you're going full throttle. March, you're cruising through. April, you're you're going hard into so that you don't kind of back yourself into the Stanley playoffs like the Calgary Flames normally do. The Hurricanes could be a scary team. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that to an extent. I think... You name some of the like bottom six moves that Waddell made that that have helped out. I I'm not willing to give too much credit for the Pacioretty deal because you know he hasn't really played at all. Uh, and I mean I I have high hopes for Kochetkov in the future, but he. You know, he started off hot, but he absolutely been, should not be the starting goaltender right now. He's been not very good lately. And, uh, you know, Frederick Anderson's healthy now, so he might be a, a victim of, uh, you know, lack of space there until Auntie Ranta eventually gets hurt again. Um, so I'm, I, I left Waddell off the list just cause I didn't see a whole lot in terms of just like, value added versus last year i feel like good moves to stay at stay the course um so like he he would definitely be in consideration but not one that i put on my list uh my number three is kelly mccrimmon um i think vegas has done a really good job of every single year with turnover their their vibe has been we're gonna make the moves to make this team as competitive as possible and we don't care about the financial implications and then to steal phrase from tom brady would you say the vegas golden knights are a very pliable team (laughs) it's getting rid of contracts like the patcheretti deal where like this is one of our most valuable players but also maybe 
this is the time to move on and choosing things like that. And, you know, speaking of the Patriots, that's kind of been, been their thing is let's get rid of this good player rather be a year too early on getting rid of a player than a year too late. Um, and I, we've seen them stay competitive over the course of their entire existence. Uh, last year was a little bit of a surprise in terms of, you know, not really, they were still competitive. They just weren't a playoff team. Um, missing a few players for long stretches of time. Um, Mark Stone, for example, but um, hey, that's kind of uh, come up again. Yeah, uh, funny, but you know, I, I I think those are it's a it's a good thing for the NHL to have GMs that are willing to do stuff like that, have high turnover, pay a lot of money, pay a lot in terms of draft capital and prospects to get the best players because other teams see that. And they te- they see teams succeeding using that model, and it makes it just more fun for people to watch teams with a lot of good players on them. It makes it more fun to watch teams that are willing to give up a lot to get a lot. Which makes um, me think of the follow-up question, because I know there's been a lot of complaints lately uh, about like, oh, well, the soft cap, hard cap, you know, like what should the NHL do? I think it's fine the way it is. Because you have Vegas doing the insane things that they do at times in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And GMs will be the first ones to tell you it's not like the video game. You know, you, you you actually have chemistry to account for. You have players and their daily family lives to, to kind of look after during the season. You can't just be like, well, this guy hasn't worked out over 10 games and we can make this blockbuster trade happen. No, that you're not going to do that there. There is a trade deadline for a reason. And it often doesn't have the largest deals that you've ever seen for another reason whether it's cap related or not it doesn't matter it's you know i think the way things are is working yeah and i mean it's created a, a better product than at least half a dozen teams being bankrupt and the league looking at hey maybe we have to contract because that's not a good idea you know if if you're a league that wants to maintain the 5 billion dollars of revenue that you're bringing in from year to year and then some and have your salary cap go up i know that the last few years have been weird with the pandemic and everything but i'm looking at the hey it's going to go up by at least 1 million next year as an at least 1 million plan on 1 million so that worst case scenario you have your best plan forward but if they say actually it's going to go up to 3 million well now you have a little extra money to spend and you've already yeah. planned for being conservative. Now you can go out and spend as freely as you want. All I'm saying is NHL GMs are for the most part cowardly and really just want to maintain the status quo and make excuses for why they didn't make trades at the deadline. It's so hard to make a trade. Um, and it's really nice to see somebody out there doing stuff that other GMs don't want to do. Um, so I, I, I rewarded Kelly McCrimmon with my number three spot. Um, you touched on Jim Nill. Um, it's we, we we already talked about how this is a weird award to give out before the trade deadline because that's such an important part of it. Um, By the conference final? I mean, maybe Jim Nill is actually a nominee for me. <laughs> but Jim Nill nailing two really important extensions in Ottinger and Robertson. Um, I, I think those are two of the best deals that have been made 
this season. So I wanted to reward him for that. Um, and then uh, for my winner, I have Ron Francis, who you also touched on. I think the claiming Ely Tolvanen, that's an important move. Uh, and then the off-season signing of Andre Burakovsky, um, kind of an impact player that I think any team would want on their team. Big Berkey fan here. It's good stuff. I think Ron Francis is a is a solid GM. Uh, he he wasn't the guy that I was like. That's who Seattle should hire for their GM. But uh, I, I've been, I think past the draft have been impressed with with him i didn't i didn't really see the vision going in with the draft kind of seemed like trying to have it both ways um and didn't really make some big splashes but i i think the results are unimpeachable right now and again, if they somehow win their division, I mean, I could move Ron Francis up from number two to number one for me. It's just a matter of taking into account where teams are at now and trying to predict, all right, the next 41 games and then, you know, two rounds of the playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, the Clarence S. Campbell Bowl is awarded to the winner of the Western Conference Final. I know we just asked Cam to give, you know, like, who's going to win it, but I will actually spout off a few teams I think are in contention for this thing that could go on some incredible runs this April through June, mid-June that is. The Minnesota Wild, they're pretty good at this and uh, they're winning games that they have no business in winning currently. Somehow they've been scoring lots of goals. So loud. (laughs) Great save you made there, Chris. Uh, Somehow they've been scoring lots of goals without really giving up. They, they just, they're winning. It, it's working. Don't question it. It's working. Somehow the, Bill Guerin will man, manage some sort of weird deadline deal that just benefits the team and they'll continue to go on a fun run. Maybe they can steal the division. Maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning last couple of times won the Stanley Cup, finished third in the Atlantic. Minnesota Wild are currently third in the Central. Again, does it really matter? Uh, the Seattle Kraken alluded to it all episode uh, I think they're a team that could potentially win the Pacific Division if things just align. If they don't win the Pacific, they have a great chance on if they get out of the first round. Well, now you have momentum going. And as long as the ball's rolling forward, not much can get in the way to stop it. Same kind of goes for Winnipeg Jets. I mean, the the Pacific, yeah, it's wide open because it's specific, whatever. The Central Division, without Colorado Avalanche being as dominant as they were last year, due to the fact that they've had a ton of injuries and everything else that just kind of hasn't really gone their way this year, the Jets could somehow usurp the Dallas Stars and be a division leader. And as long as they don't overplay Connor Hellebuck, Winnipeg has a chance of at least getting back into the Western Conference Final for the first time since 2018 and winning it. But I don't really see the Winnipeg Jets as the team that wins the Western Conference final in 2023. The Dallas Stars, we talked about it all night long, where they have a great team, great contracts, great everything. But Cam already said it, and I'm going to agree with him. The Vegas Golden Knights are going to be your 2023 Clarence's Campbell Bowl winners 
because Bruce Cassidy is like a Peter DeBoer in that he comes in and has an immediate impact and it's very successful and it changes the culture of the room from, you know, wherever they've been at to next level. We'll get to all the goals we want to attain. Can he win the cup is a different question that we'll answer momentarily, but the golden Knights to me are the right combination of a quality division leader that can take their game to an X level when it counts the most, when they play the Boston Bruins, when they get to the playoffs, when they have a first round matchup, a second round matchup, a third round matchup, it just has to be Vegas. Now they haven't been as dominant on home ice as they have historically been in their entire, what is this now, six-year history, which intrigues me. But I don't think that really matters to the Vegas Golden Knights when it comes to the the storyline, as I mentioned in the Hurricanes before. the We were disappointed in how last year ended, and so this year we're just going to go take it. So Vegas, to me, is winning the Western Conference Final. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had a more exciting uh, take than than that. I mean, it's I love this lineup. I mean, even without Mark Stone, it's just so full of great two way players. Um, it's it's pretty much exactly what you want to put together if you're trying to put together a cup contending team. Like they're obviously playing well in the regular season, but this is a team that's also built for the playoffs. They've they've been there for the most part, this roster has seen deep playoff runs. Um, the goaltending remains the only thing that slightly concerns me, but Hey, if you can win a cup with Anthony Nami in 2010, you can win a cup with Logan Thompson in 2023. Yeah. And it, I, I don't even think Logan Thompson is like bad. He's just exactly kind of average. And a, a guy like that, who we've if you can seen... win a cup in 2019 with Jordan Bennington. <laughs> well, <laughs> a guy like that who we've seen have a run of success and look really good. Uh, that, that was, that was Catherine. She will be joining us shortly. Um, I love how we were cruising along with cam and then we got to this part and we were just like, Oh, it'll be easier. It's just the two of us. Nope. No, it has not been easier because we've gone on I, many tangents and hopefully everyone that's listening is still listening and enjoying it. Well, I, I do want to tag Kat in because I do want her her expert analysis. Because we're going to use it. Come sit down. No, Isabel's on my microphone. Sorry. Oh, no. Can you tell me about Logan Thompson really quickly? Kat, we need your goalie analysis. I don't. I, he's, he's sitting a little far over his skis this year, but like, I'm happy for him. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first, far over his skis, but happy for him. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a team that just could very easily put together a deep playoff run. And I think the likelihood is that a team other than Vegas makes it to the Stanley Cup final out of the West because that's just how hockey works. And there's, you know, taking the field against one team is the smart bet, but. I, I think the smartest bet on the on the West Coast side is uh, is Vegas right now. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, we could actually have a Stanley Cup final of the two most dominant teams for once. 
But that's not what's going to happen because for me, the Prince of Wales trophy comes down to the Carolina Hurricanes and the Carolina Hurricanes only. And again, I'm not saying that because of any <laughs> contracts or anything. I am only part time. I remind you. Take um, warning. <laughs> but but I will appreciate more times being able to work because I do like getting a paycheck. So uh, here's why. Okay, the New Jersey Devils are a team that could somehow win the Eastern Conference. Because again, for the same reason as Minnesota Wild, somehow they just go on a run. They're winning games they're not even supposed to win. It happens. Hockey is weird, as Chris likes to say. The, the same thing could be said of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who in any normal year might be leading the Atlantic Division, except the Boston Bruins exist. So, oops, sorry, uh, Toronto. It's probably not going to be your year, but they might at least get out of the first round. Good luck getting out of the second round, because again, the, the Boston Bruins kind of exist. Uh, the New York Rangers... They've been up and down all over the place this season. And in the similar notion of, well, last year they they got as far as Eastern Conference final and then they played Tampa and they didn't win. They could be mad enough to, to avenge the loss. Yeah, but at the same time, no. Here's why the Rangers won't win the Eastern Conference final. Uh, because they have to go through a couple more years of heartbreak first. That's just typically what happens. So... Those are all the reasons why those three teams wouldn't get it done. The Boston Bruins could win it, but historically speaking, again, they've been in the Stanley Cup final, what, like 21 times? They've won it six times. They've had the best regular season record a bunch more times than the President's Trophy has even existed, and they haven't won the Cup. They just always seem to be a team that plays really, 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 really out of their mind in the regular season, and then... They just don't put it together. You look back at 1988 against the Edmonton Oilers and you say, ah, that one should have been it. And then they don't win. Okay, 1990, your chance to get revenge. They don't win it. Frustratingly, they just don't do it. They can't pull it off more times than they actually do. Now, that's not me saying that I I would hope ill will against them if they're able to do it. No, if they do it, then that's obviously a great storyline. You have a dominant team that does better than how the 1929-30 Bruins did. Because again, they quite literally had the best winning percentage of any season in NHL history. The schedule was a lot shorter and the playoffs worked much, much differently than they do now. But here's why the Hurricanes are winning it. Because again, as I said all night, they had that type of series last year where they should have won and they didn't. And they just get pissed off enough about it that they go do something about it. That every player, yeah, they've been playing well. They've been playing fine the regular season. They get to the playoffs. They get through the first round, whether it's a struggle or not. They get to the second round and they go, you know what? We need to take our game even higher. We need to crank it to 11 to get to the next round, to get past the third round, to get into the final. And that sets up a Vegas-Carolina Stanley Cup final on my end. Chris, your Eastern Conference Prince of Wales trophy winner, if you would, please. Bruins. Of course. This is Bruins and Bruins, after all. And it would set up a Jim Montgomery versus Bruce Cassidy matchup, and we would love to see it. I think that would be fun. Um, It's a little bit of wish casting, um, but it also seems silly to pick against them at this point. Um, no offense. I just, it's a safe bet at, at this point, like by far the highest odds, according to money puck of winning the Stanley cup, still only 25%, but like that is 
insane odds for a team at any point this in the season. Into the year. Um, so, yeah. There's um, the comparisons to the 2012-2013 Chicago run that they had and the, the cup that they ended up winning against, coincidentally, the Bruins, another example of a team that probably should have won and then didn't. Now, you might say, but Chicago was just as dominant as they were as ever. But again, that final featured the classic definition of team that was great in the regular season made the final team that probably shouldn't have been there that overcame something and had a Cinderella type of run made the final. The Bruins absolutely should not have won game seven against Toronto when they were trailing four to one, but they did. And that momentum single-handedly carried them all the way to the final. It, it carried them to a four game sweep of the dominant prime Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin era Pittsburgh Penguins with Marc-Andre Fleury, by the way, as their goaltender. And yes, of course, Thomas Vokun came into that series because, well, the Bruins just flat out destroyed the Penguins in the first three games. And game four featured the only goal by Adam McQuaid. There's a little hockey history for the younger people in the crowd. Um, my brother, of course, was at a bar across the street from the garden. I had to sit through high school baccalaureate that night. My brother had a better time, but I did get home in time to see McQuaid score a goal. That's all that matters. Which leads us to our Stanley Cup final matchups, including the Vegas Golden Knights and Carolina and Boston, depending on who you're rooting for at this point. Should it surprise anyone that we both have Vegas losing? I don't. Oh, what a shocker. The Bruins don't win when they should. Uh, this this is a part me not wanting to give the kiss of death to the Bruins, um, and part me thinking like it's finally time for the for the Knights to win one. Um, just cup having won cup in three, cup in about six. That's better than seven. Having won consistently in the regular season for since they've existed, uh, and having been to a Stanley Cup final and having been in those tested situations, I feel like they're just as primed as anyone to win a Stanley cup. And I feel like the Bruins are as well. Um, What's the average age of the Vegas golden Knights compared to the average age of the Boston Bruins? Good question. This I will go to cap friendly for as long as you keep talking. Oh boy. Um, We call it filler. Yeah, I feel like we've seen the Bruins and the Golden Knights play each other this year, and uh, even a little bit shorthanded, the Knights looked like potentially the better team. Um, I don't know. It's hard to judge off of two games, but I didn't feel comfortable in either of those games. Um, it it didn't feel like, oh, this is the, the team that's going to steamroll any team in their way. Uh, and didn't the Golden Knights hand the Bruins their first loss on home ice, but not in regulation? Okay, but, but yeah, first that, first that was, home ice. Snaps the first home ice loss. All right, I gotta go. So, we got a uh, we have a child that has that is uh, about to enter our home. So uh, nice. I gotta say I gotta say bye to both the uh, the podcast. And to you as well, Lancey. Uh, Have a great one. I will finish I will it by saying the Hurricanes are going to win because I want to be in a parade. 
<laughs> All right. Later. Have a good one. And that does it. That's your mid-season ease for 2022, 2023. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again next year. <laughs>